So this is part three on, that we're teaching on the lesson of disciplining your kids, okay? Just by way of review, um, we've gone over the other previous part. Uh, I just want to go over that real quick. What is it, the different points? These are the uh, the mechanics of how do you discipline your kids we've been going over. You guys can still see me because I'm going back and forth with my document, okay? Um, so what we've been doing is part one. Um, Actually, maybe I'll show my screen real quick. Um, what I'm going to do, share screen, okay? You guys can see my screen or... You guys can see my screen? Yay, nay. You guys can see? Yes? Yeah, now we can see. Okay, yeah. So this is just reviewing. Um, I think this will be helpful. Is the first... Uh, Three months ago, when we began this, we looked at three B's concerning how you discipline your child. The first one is be clear with rules, okay? Because you don't want to spank your kids when you're the one that messed up not being clear of the rule, okay? Number two is uh, be self-control. Because, um, you know, spanking is discipline, not you taking out your anger on the kid, right? And then we covered uh, the third B is be in a private place, okay? We've gone over the reason why. If you do that in front of your um, parents sometimes, become grandparents and they get soft or the kids get enabled to do more or they get embarrassed and shame not in a godly way that leads to repentance um, okay so that was the first uh, three points we looked at then we've looked at then we've looked at three other points uh, last month okay we looked at three other points is uh, 3s I would call this okay we saw that it's important to seek confession okay uh, we before you spank, it's you want to let the kid really know why you're spanking them. It's not because you're mad, upset. Is they've sinned and you're seeking them to confess their sins first. And then the second S is spank appropriate areas. Okay, um, disciplining your child. Oh man, I misspelled discipline. Uh, discipline your child is not child abuse. Okay, discipline your child is not child abuse. So we, you need to spank appropriate areas, the second S. And the third S is seek brokenness. And what I mean by that is not physical brokenness, but a broken spirit, a contrite spirit that acknowledged they've sinned. And therefore, it's a godly sorrow that hopefully lead to repentance and hopefully also as you train them more to lead them to trust in Christ. So that's review of the last uh, two months, okay? So these are the mechanics of discipline. So now we're going to be looking at... Oh man, I am notoriously bad with misspelling, okay? Um, now we're going to look at uh, today is we're going to see four more points of disciplining your kids. So if you're taking notes, these four points is I would say uh, we will see the four S concerning how to discipline your kids. So this is building up chronologically, okay? You, you, you Now that after you spank them, what do you do? Okay, sometimes when we think discipline, we think, okay, after you spank them, that's it. Oh, I done my duty. But I would say no. That's halfway through. Now you have four more S that follows discipline. In terms of Christian discipline, it's not just spanking and that's it, okay? These are the four more S that follows, okay? Number one is shepherd the child's heart. Number one is what? Shepherd the child's heart, okay? Shepherd the child's heart. Number two is sh share the gospel, okay? You want to share the gospel, okay? I think Christian disciplining of your, our kids should be different than the way the world does, okay? It was we must share the gospel, okay? Share the gospel. That's the second S. Third S is show affection, okay? Show affection. Actually, this is, you can see that I just <laughs> finished this. is actually five S, okay? Uh, okay? The third point is show affection after you spank the child. 
you, sh- you shepherd their heart, you share the gospel, you show affection. And fourthly, you solicit prayer, okay? You want to pray with the child, solicit prayer. And fifth is you want to strive to be consistent, okay? You want to strive to be consistent. That is, you're not just doing a little bit of each point sometimes, or sometimes you do all these points that we've looked at, right? Uh, whatever point it is, six, like the 10 points, okay? But you're doing this regularly, you're, you're, you're doing this as a discipline to discipline your kids, okay? So these are five points we're going to be looking at tonight, okay? These five points that we will be looking at tonight, okay? Um, as I said, is let me review again. Is number one, shepherd the child's heart. Number two, share the gospel. Number three, uh, show affection. Number four, solicit prayer. And number five, strive to be consistent, okay? And remember, like I said, this is after you have already spanked the child. This is what you do. The first part for our uh, for the purpose of our instruction today is shepherd the child's heart, okay? Shepherd the child's what? Their heart, okay? Uh, shepherd their child's heart. Um, and what I mean by that is after you spank them, your point the point is you should still be talking to the child, okay? The instruction did not just stop after, uh, the, the period of instruction didn't, just stop when you before you spank the child or when you spank the child. It also continues on after, also as well. Okay, it also continues on, also as well. Okay, turn with me real quick to Proverbs five twelve. Okay, Proverbs five twelve. Uh, let's, if you guys could turn with me to Proverbs five twelve. Let me ask you guys a question: Is it better that I actually share my notes, share the screen, or or just face? Not that my face is anything value. Or, you know, no preference. Okay. Uh, let's go to Proverbs 5.12. Okay. Uh, Proverbs 5.12. Um, as we turn to Proverbs 5.12. This is what Proverbs 5.12 uh, says, okay? Proverbs 5.12 says, And you say, How I have hated instruction, and uh, my heart... Spurn reproof. I know in the screen right now you guys could look at it too, but I encourage you still to turn to scripture just because sometimes we look at its context, okay? By way of context, Proverbs 5, you guys know, is talking about being careful for the uh, a young man to avoid being with an unfaithful or a woman that will make you unfaithful or commit fornication and adultery, okay? That's the context of Proverbs 5. Proverbs 5 verse 12 is telling us that A, uh, is what's going on here is is saying about a man who's really a fool, who's ungodly, uh, a, a fool in the moral sense, a moral fool, and the fact that now he's older. And notice what he says. He says in the second line, "And my heart spurned reproof," or in other words, he hates what being corrected. Okay, do we want to have our kids grow up to be this this kind of man? No, right. This kind of man would have a hard time in life. Okay. Uh, if he makes it in life, he's going to be a very difficult boss. Because why? He cannot stand any criticism. Okay, and if there's any mark of any good leader, is a leader need to be very responsive to change, and part of it is he needs the whole 360 perspective, right, of everything. But even more so, let's just say this guy self destroys all his min- uh, all that he does, and then he's in a job that's not advancing well in life, and that's the result of what the fact that he hates reproof. You don't want to be this kind of man. Okay, here God. Um, don't God says, don't be this kind of person who grows up and say, hey, my heart hates reproof, okay? So instead, what kind of person should we be is the writer of uh, Proverbs is saying to his son, in the context, he's speaking 
to his son. And if you look at verses 1, this is why the father is writing. I think it's Solomon writing this, okay? He's writing to his sons and saying, Hey, this is why I'm going to correct you. Verses 1, Proverbs 5, 1 says, My son, give attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, okay? Likewise, we need to uh, talk to our child and address the child's heart after we discipline them so they don't have the habit of what? Growing up later to hate reproof, right? You guys ever seen, um, sometimes kids, maybe when you were little, some kids in school, they really can't, like the teacher correct them, man, they throw an attitude. And then when um, they go to the principal's office, now this is a story when I was little, okay? Um, I was no stranger to visiting the principal's office. I remember one time in eighth grade, going to the principal's office because we, there was a big fight we had. Um, so all the Asian kids, you know, I'm just saying because we're Asian, Right? All the Asian kids, they realize, oh, oh when our parents come, what's going to happen? We're going to get, like, in trouble. Okay, I know I shared the story last time, right? Like, there's a cultural misunderstanding, too. My my dad comes and start like, spanking me like crazy. Or not spanking me, like, hitting me. Because I, 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 they can't, can't spank me because I'm sitting down my bottom. So he's hitting me in the head, hitting me in the back, all kinds of crazy things like that. And then, you know, I remember the other kids that got in trouble, especially this one... Uh, Hispanic kid and a uh, Caucasian kid, the, right away, the, their parents come, right away is what? They're saying, oh, the other kids were wrong, and they're defending them. But then not so much for my parents. My parents was like, whoa, if you're in the principal office, it's a presumed guilty until proven innocent, okay? Um, so that's what it was. So the, he, he comes over, my dad's like, saying, sorry, sorry, Dr. Stewart, you know, the principal. So he'll say, sorry, 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 I'm so sorry. Like he'll act very, very humble and meek. And then as soon as he look at me, so sorry, sorry, the son is so, so bad. This, and then he'll whack me in the head and the principal gets scared and, you know, bring in the school security, that kind of thing, have the door open, all the secretaries there. And I'm crying because I don't want to lose my parents, right? Because I think they're going to report me to some child custody thing. And, you know, bam, I'm just, I have no parents. I'm in a foster care. I'm crying. Please don't, blah, blah, blah. And I'm speaking in Chinese in Hakka. I say, please don't do this. Don't do this. You know, I'm saying in Hakka, literally, it was, ma-dang-ai, child abuse. So they just only hear the word child abuse. And they're like, oh, I'm, thinking, oh, I'm even freaked out even more, okay? But I bring this up as a say, okay, in Proverbs 5.12, Proverbs 5.12, when it says here, um, do not spurn, this is why the, the uh, father teaches them, okay, the father teaches this child, um, is so that he would not hate reproof. And sometimes people could teach their kids whenever they're in trouble, it's always the teacher's fault, everyone else's fault, but we should not be that kind. So in the same way, after they're corrected, we need to make sure that they don't hate reproof. So this is why we need to shepherd their heart, okay? We need to talk to them and address their heart. Turn with me also as well to Proverbs 20, verse 5, okay? Proverbs 20, verse 5. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 5. When I turn there, could I have a happy, motivated reader want to read that out loud? Proverbs 20, verse 5. If you unmute yourself and read it out loud so I can catch my breath. Purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. Yeah, in Proverbs 20, verse 5, right? Um, here, uh, when you discipline a child, you want to address their heart, okay? Uh, and their motivation, rather than them... You see, this is the problem, I think, if we talk to our kids, if we spank our kids and we never talk about why they've done wrong, or what is how they feel. You know what happens? You're going to reinforce the idea to them unintentionally, that you know what? The reason why you're getting spanked is because mom and dada does not like what you do. Therefore, 
they're taking it out on you. And you don't want that. You want to address their heart. Or they think, okay, I have to do the right thing only when my parents are there. So then you have external behavioral modification that outwardly they act what is right, but then their heart, their motivation is not they're doing this because they don't want to get in trouble, all that kind of thing. But it should be deeper than that, okay? Or they're fearful of being spanked, or they're afraid of you. Because one, if you only have that motivation being reinforced if you don't talk to them, guess what happened? There'll be a day when your child is going to be stronger than you, taller than you, bigger than you, okay? Um, where you can't spank them, or even if you do, they could, what, physically whoop you because you're older now. So you don't want that day. And so therefore, it's important to address their heart. But you know what? Proverbs 20 verse 5, what we've just read, show a bad news and a good news. We'll begin with the bad news. What's the bad news? The bad news is this. The first half gives the bad news is this. A plan in the heart of a man is like deep water. And what is that saying here? Is when you look down in deep water, sometimes you can't see fully what's underneath. Okay? You can't see fully what is underneath. This word for deep water is often associated with oceans. Okay, So this is not talking about deep water in a river. When it's so deep, what? You can't see all the way down in the bottom. So in light of this, what he's trying to say here is that man's heart is very hard to uh, scrutinize, to perfectly know what's in someone's heart. So that's a bad news. But you know what's a good news? There is good news. That doesn't mean you cannot know anything at all. Proverbs 20 verse 5, second half, gives us the good news. It says, But a man... And I would even insert a woman also. Of understanding draws it out. It says, while it's difficult for us to know what's in a, a someone's heart, a man or a child, yet also we can draw it out. If you have understanding, you can draw out their heart and therefore address their motivation. Okay. So as application, I think these two verses establish that after you spank a child, there is a part of wisdom that you want to, these verses together, you want to be able to shepherd the child's heart. You want to bring out what's, what they're thinking, feeling, and, and their thought and their interpretation of what has happened. Okay? So let's talk about applic uh, application. We want to talk about what does this look like as practice. We need to realize first and foremost that if we think about spanking, that after spanking is done, uh, everything is all over discipline, I think we're wrong, okay? Uh, to think that after we, you know, let's just say one of my daughters misbehave, and I say, Rebecca, Abigail, Hannah, right? Come over here, I'm going to spank you. And I spank them, right? And then I think, oh, see, I'm a godly parent. You know, I just clean my hand, wash my hands, and say, hey, the sin is no longer mine, right? And then we don't talk to them about it. I think that's also realize, hey, we only did one half. Or it's incomplete discipline, okay? We need to shepherd their hearts afterward also as well, okay? Sometimes we can be lazy to think spanking is enough. Because sometimes the easy part is to spank because we lost our cool. And by the way, we shouldn't spank only because we lose our cool, right? Even remember last month we talked about nipping things in the bud, okay? Sometimes we, are, we need to be proactive, okay? We need to be proactive, okay? My mom told me, like she's looking... At my sister and I, our way of parenting, and my sister, my mom made this observation. She was like, "Oh, your sister Jenny, uh, raise your child, raise her child up, her son Aiden, like she's in the Navy. It's strict." And I was like, "Huh, it's strict. Okay, if that's the case, I feel my wife and I we run, we discipline our kids like the Marine Corps. What, I don't mean like physically punishing them and like what I mean by that is if you ever look, you guys could YouTube it sometime." You look at, like, you go to YouTube, wonderful days of YouTube these days, right? And just put in Marine Drill Instructor. You'll see, like, they're always, like, being a Marine Drill Instructor is hard work because every moment they're, like, they're actually, 
they actually burn more calories than the guys they're training because they're running around everywhere. Like the whole time, they're running around looking at everyone's mistake. Every moment, they're like slapping people's hand to, to do things correctly, all kinds of things, okay? So what I mean by that, they're proactively. They're always nipping things in the bud before it gets big, okay? Um, so I think that's the same thing with us too. We need to be proactive. like, hey, our kid, oh, it's going to go bad. You don't want to, you know, you don't want it until you lose your cool, okay? So the thing to do that, not to lose your cool, is nipping it in the bud, as we covered it last month, okay? So here, in, in light of this, what I'm trying to say here is after we spank them, we shouldn't be lazy and say, oh, okay, that's it, I've done my job. We should be going further by talking it. And sometimes we feel, because we're so excited, it's easier to spank than to talk to them, than to instruct them, than to talk about God and talk about the heart matter. Sometimes for us, that could be even the more difficult work to meaningfully engage them. Okay, so in light of this, we should not let the motivation of laziness stop us from that. Okay, so in light of this, you should also use a lot of questions to draw a person's heart. Okay, the older I get, the way I evangelize, I think uh, you guys know I love preaching, but you know, I actually love evangelism more than preaching, believe it or not. Um, as much as I love preaching, and I do love preaching, obviously, right? You guys know me, you know, you go to sermon audio, apparently. Um, the guys in Nepal say, hey, you have 600 sermons on there. So, okay, I guess I do really love preaching, okay? So, but I also love evangelism. You know why? Because I actually love asking people questions, okay? Um, the older I get, the more I realize sometimes a question mark is a better hook than even an exclamation mark. And what I mean by that, it brings them to think, to see for themselves where they're wrong or to expose what, what, where they really are at, okay? So use a lot of questions, okay? So after you spank, you know, yeah, you may have a lot of exclamation mark, but sometimes I like to do, is even with my girls, is after say, hey, what did you do wrong? Or, or ask, what, what, how do you feel? What do you think about what has happened, okay? So we need to use questions to learn their motivation and understanding and feeling. And by the way, it accomplishes two things when we do that. Number one, it shows everything is not just thus says, Mom and dad, because they're also sharing. Also, right, there's a sense of you're connecting with them too. You're empathizing with them, all of that, right? But the second thing is also, so you would also interpret, A, because remember, you cannot just look at the child. They're crying, and you could always interpret. Sometimes we misinterpret, okay? I'm always afraid of someone that says they're good at interpreting people, because my experience is this. Whenever anyone says that, within the next few days or weeks, they're going to prove themselves that they misinterpreted, Okay? Um, I think even the people that are good at interpretation uh, of others also realize, A, I could be flawed and sometimes it's tentative until there's more information. So same way, you use questions, okay, with your kids, with that. Ask them, how do you feel? Why do you feel that, okay? Why, the question of why, uh, what and why, I think is very, very important, okay? Uh, you guys could still hear me? Thumbs up if you guys could still hear me, okay? Yeah, okay. I mean, there's, uh, there was some... Um... There's some static. Uh, that was the worst kind of case of it. It's been uh, coming up uh, okay. occasionally tonight. But I'm not sure if it's your microphone or if it's your internet or, or what it is. But just, you know, so you're mindful of it, I guess. Okay. Are you like on a VPN? Yeah, I'm on a VPN. I'm off VPN right now. Okay. Is this better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn, turn, I think you might need to turn off that VPN. Yeah, I just turned it off right now. Uh, I think I just saw it didn't look like there's much heartbeat with that. Okay, so is this better right now? 
Okay. So going back on with this, we need to shepherd our child's heart. Okay. Uh, we need to ask a lot of questions. Another application point here is explain to the child that you want your discipline uh, to prepare them to submit to God rather than to be rebellious against God in the future as an adult. I think kids, one of the things I feel like, you know, I actually, you know, I think having kids made me realize, um, you know, I love to teach the Bible, but I discover the, the more I'm doing homeschooling, the more I actually realize I actually like to teach anything and everything with the kids, you know. Um, like, I love teaching history, right? But it's more than history. It's even, you know, even science, whatever, you know, just, you know, just things of life, okay? Even the kids asking questions when we're driving. I realize, wow, that's so, because the world of God, to me, is just so amazing. Just the, how the world of things work. What a beautiful world that God's created. Yeah, there's marvelous sin, but the world is also so profound how things are interconnected and interdependent and all of that, okay? But going back on with this, you want to teach them, and I think kids are able to understand if you're able to explain to them, hey, I'm doing this for your future. I don't want to mess up your future. And I think kids understand that. So you want to shepherd after you spank them, okay? Also, um, 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. I think it's always good from time to time. Talk to the kid. Like, are you crying from worldly sorrow? Like, you didn't get your way or you got caught? Is already you crying? Or is it really you realize, oh, what you've done was wrong? And wrong towards your mom or your dad or your sister, and especially towards God. Okay? So when you follow through, okay? When you follow through, don't just say, oh, I spent my kids and cry. Ha ha, give yourself an A plus. Okay? No, go shepherd them. It's loving to shepherd them when they're crying, to show a hey, understanding what's their motivation with that, okay? Uh, also, as application, uh, remember to have a two-way conversation with a child. Sometimes I think it's important. Sometimes a child has a hard time because um, they're just so glued on what they're doing. You spank them, they cry a little bit, and then they're going to go back. But I think it's important sometimes to ask, hey, what does it look like, the alternative of not sinning, okay? What does the alternative look like, okay? For instance, if the, the sisters are fighting, if the girls are fighting, Sometimes they say, okay, the alternative is what? Share. Okay, or things are not going well, then you de-escalate. You just go ahead and do your own thing, okay? Or go tell mom and dad instead of uh, yelling, getting mad, that kind of thing, and bickering, okay? So sometimes we need to go over various things. Or for instance, if a child messes up, they weren't doing things very good, or they're, in our case, some of our girls eat slow, then we talk to them, What's the, what does the alternative look like? The alternative means you finish 15 minutes earlier. I love my wife. She sets a timer sometimes to let them actually have metric. Okay? So you're preventative discipline too. Um, you're pr proactively saying, hey, I don't want to just going crazy on you. It's also preventatively, hey, these are metric. You know very clearly. Okay? Ahead of time. Okay? You are halfway point and you're not done. Look at your plate. And you're already knowing that. Okay? So then you also talk about the uh, alternative. That means you don't look around you're not daydreaming you're not saying oh i don't want to eat this part or eat that so you go over and explain what does the alternative look like okay and that's very helpful after you discipline let's go to the next part you, everything's okay with audios thumbs up you guys could hear okay just doing check once in a while okay point number two is share the gospel okay share the gospel turn with me to proverbs 4 4 turn with me to proverbs 4 4 when you guys are with me in Proverbs 4, 4. Uh, this is an argument from the lesser to the greater to establish why we share the gospel. Proverbs 4, 4 says this. Then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Okay? 
In the context, the writer is addressing his son. But when he's addressing his son, he gets a little bit reminiscent in his memory. He's thinking about, okay, my parents disciplined me. Any of you guys ever have, like recently, the experience, like when you're dis- in the middle of disciplining, you start thinking about your own childhood? Anyone ever have that? Yes. Uh, I do, okay. Uh, yeah, Nancy says every time... Uh, every, she time spank- every time they get spanked, she thinks about her own childhood. Okay, I remember there was one time, one of the time our daughters were saying, uh, like after discipline, I asked them, "Don't you, you know, like you know, I was sharing, trying to share the gospel, saying, hey, you know, mom and dad's not perfect too. Do you think mom and dada? Do you think I've done that too?" And this is when the girls were much more younger, when you know we didn't drum into them as much that all of us are saying. And so, do you think dada has ever done that before? And they were like, "No." I was like, "What?" No, you know, actually, the reality is sometimes that it was even worse, okay, than, than you, okay? But I think that we need to be honest, okay? We need to be honest. Not to say, okay, therefore, you, it's okay. But hey, say, you know what? We're telling you to do what is right, not because I say, not because I'm the epitome of right and wrong, but it's to say, or, or the standard, my daughter asked, what is epitome? Is to say, you say, hey, we're doing this because we're sinner and we're in need of grace too. And that's an opportunity to share the gospel, okay? To share the gospel. Here in Proverbs 4, 4, this father is saying one of the reasons why he's teaching, notice the word says heart. Do you guys see that? We were talking about earlier point one. Um, we want to shepherd the heart. It says, let your heart hold fast my words. So he's looking back and saying, you know, oh, I wish my, um, uh, you know, uh, sh- would be able to share, uh, you know, like their, his dad also disciplined him. And sharing instruction and wisdom. And therefore he says, hey, you do this, keep my commandments and live, okay? Now, if we want our kids to live, how much more should we care about the eternal life, yes? It's an argument from the lesser to the greater. Life on earth is what? 70, 80 years, all things being equal. If our life can take earlier, or 90 or 100, okay? But that's really short compared to eternity. How much more so if we discipline for our life now physically on earth? How much more should we care about their eternal life? So therefore, we need to what? Share the gospel. Second proof, the example of with Timothy's life, okay? Turn with me to 2 Timothy 3.15. You guys can hear still? You guys can still hear? Okay. Second, uh, Second Timothy, oh, my speaker's not working. Okay, 2 Timothy... Uh, Turn with me to 2 Timothy 3.15. Okay, 2 Timothy 3.15. When we turn there, um, 2 Timothy 3.15. This is what the passage says, okay? Um... And from childhood, you have known that sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And here's the example from Timothy's life. He has known Timothy. He's Paul's younger co-worker in the gospel. And Paul knows him because he loves him and he's a pastor to him. And he also knows about how he came to Christ. That in his childhood, what? The Word of God what was what led him to salvation as this verse says, okay? And yet, when you look at the next next verse, I think most of us know the next verse more. 2 Timothy 3.16 is one of the many 3.16s in the Bible that believers love, right? John 3.16, 2 Timothy 3.16, which shows the power of the Word of God and the function of the Word of God and the nature of the Word of God. 
So 3.16 says the scripture is useful for what? Reproof and correction and training in righteousness. I want to make this observation that when you use the word of God for disciplining your kid and also as well to point him to the gospel, it's not like it's mutually exclusive, okay? It is not mutually exclusive. It's not either or, it's both and. The scripture, when you discipline them, you can share the gospel with them and also point out things where it's wrong and also go down to their heart level of why they need to listen and obey and do what is right, okay? So we see as application, therefore, like I said, just like the first point, don't be lazy. Don't think you dis just because you spank your child that therefore, hey, you're done with discipline. Like I said, you must go the next step further to share the gospel, okay? To share the gospel. This is where Christian parenting and Christian disciplining of their kids is distinctively different than non-Christian parenting. Because I think actually this is probably very loving, okay? I don't think probably. It is most loving because you're thinking about their eternity. So do you know Bible verse that talks about sin that you can share with your child? Okay, not a complicated one. Uh, you want to share with little kids. You want to go Barney style. Okay, you guys know me by Barney style? Sesame Street style. Okay, uh, the more simpler, the better. Okay, Romans 3.23. Our kids know that, right? Rebecca, Abigail, Hannah, what's Romans 3.23? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, all... Yeah, Romans 3.23, our girls just read, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We want to know those verses so that you point to them, right? Uh, the purpose of that is so that they would know, oh, we're sinners, okay? Um, that all of us, including myself as a parent. Notice it's a humble parenting also as well, okay? Um, so you want to know those Bible verses so you can share them so they see their need for a Savior, okay? Um, just like right now too, right? If you suddenly come up to me, and started like injecting me all these kinds of things and say, I'm going to give you malaria pills and everything. I'll say like, why? Okay, why? I remember when I was in Iraq, they issued us malaria pills. I threw them I threw them in the Tigris River because you know, I didn't see a need for them. And then when the Navy personnel, so the difference between Marine and Navy, I'm so glad our medics were, were Navy because Marines are very rough with each other. We're always thinking someone's pretending to be painful. You don't want to, in the Marines, you don't want to go tell someone, oh, I'm hurting because then it's looked down upon and then you get so much trouble for, <laughs> for being hurt. So then they have another service. The Navy guys are like, oh, you know what? You really do need to take your medicine. Oh, you really do need to um, have five days of, uh, of recovery physically, whatever. So I got in trouble because I didn't see no need for malaria. So then these older guys from the Navy guys, then they told the Marine officers, the Marine officers didn't care. So then the Navy, instead, the officer came over to the officer and said, we have to care. And they said, okay, you're going to enforce it. So the Navy medic, we called Corman, every morning had to make me drink that. But then he, you, I would not take it because why? I didn't see that it was important. Okay? I didn't see it was important. But then if you give me a malaria pill right now in the hospital, and you didn't, I would probably be like, uh-oh, what does this mean? Do I have something? Do I have coronavirus, right? Because I know how serious it is. Do you guys see the difference? Sometimes you need to see sin and therefore the need for a savior. Okay? Everyone still tracking with me? Audio wise? Okay. Okay, thank you. So in light of this, uh we know do you also know verses that show Christ's work to save sinner, right? John three sixteen. Okay? God so loved the world, right? That he gave his only son to die on a cross for our sin to save the world. So I think those verses, all of that. Train by the way, train your child to say I'm sorry is actually um it's almost like putting we training wheels for the kids to know the gospel. Um, okay. Uh, by the way, uh, in our marriage, um, if your marriage, if 
if the longer you're married, your how's your um, correlation of saying sorry, apologizing? If your marriage has, uh, if you say more sorry in your first year of marriage, then right now in your whatever year, fill in the blank, we're on ninth year, some of you guys are tenth year now. If you're saying less sorry now than when you first got married, I think there's something wrong. Because in the first year, you know, I remember in our honeymoon, I asked my wife, what are some things we could change? There wasn't, or what I needed to change. There wasn't a lot, okay? But of course, as things go on, I think the, the, you saying sorry is going to increase more. Because you're seeing each other's flaws more. So train, live that out. But also over your child, you want to train them to say sorry. It's almost like putting um, training wheels for the gospel. This helped model the gospel of go, us going to the Father and confessing our sin. Okay. Let's go to the third point. Show affection. Okay. Uh, Ephesians 6.4. Let's turn to Ephesians 6.4. Ephesians 6.4. If I could have a happy, motivated reader... Read me Ephesians 6, 4. Anyone? Ephesians 6, 4? Am I not able to hear? Okay. Ephesians 6, 4, I think I might have audio problem, I don't know. Uh, we sh- uh, says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, So here you see the prohibition. is we should make our child to anger. right? If you just discipline a kid and you don't hug him, what's more likely? They're going to still be angry? Or if after you discipline them, you give them a hug and show affection? Which is more likely that they'll be anger so obviously the first one the latter one the second one is they're less likely so therefore many parents have sinned right if you just discipline and then you don't show affection afterward you just say go to your room and that's it okay so we need to definitely um we need to definitely uh, uh live this out okay of ephesians 6 4 i think the implication of ephesians 6 4 means we should show affection and also, that's the, part of the definition of love. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. And not jealous. Love does not brag. And is not arrogant. Okay? So love is kind. Is what the passage says. And being affectionate to your child is kind. Okay? Is kindness. Okay? Um, so in light of this, I think also when we discipline, yes, it is a requirement to show affection afterward. Okay? It is requirement to show that. Now I know there might be cultural things. Okay. There might be cultural things. Um, you know. Growing up. My dad. Disciplined. I know my dad loves me. Like I'm okay. I'm not like messed up. You know. Insecure. Daddy issue. That's not me. I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm not downplaying. If that's your case. I'm just saying. It just wasn't in my case. By the grace. By the grace of God. Okay. But at the same time. Also. You know. My dad. After discipline. Didn't hug me or anything like that. But I also know everyone is wired. Their constitution is different. Okay, so it's you don't want to exasperate your child, and part of that is you also want to show kindness um, with that. So as application, let your child cry on your shoulders after you spank them. Okay, let them have lots of hugs. Okay, as application, if the child needs a longer time to be affirmed with hugs and kisses, do it after the discipline and instruction too. Okay. 
don't minimize it, okay? And also, when you spank them afterward, I think it shouldn't just right away just send them to isolation and that's it. Now, sometimes they need to still, you know, if you tell them to go to your own room, you need to cool down, that kind of thing, I understand. But, uh, but if you just totally end in isolation, I think that doesn't send the right signal. Um, and I think showing affection velcros the gospel, okay? It velcros the gospel. Uh, it makes the gospel stick more with the point that our point is also to show them the love of God. Just as you got the love of God, you also are patient and kind with them in showing that. So show affection, okay? Um, and this is where I think it's important um, with fathers, especially fathers, generally speaking, could be much more stronger physically, even much more so that you need to be deliberate, okay? And showing affection, okay? Um, showing affection is manly, okay? It is biblical. Christ showed affection for kids also as well. He welcomed them. So I think as application, we need to definitely live that out, okay? Of hugs, kisses, and joy, and, and you know, lifting them up and all of that, okay? As application. Next point we want to go over, besides showing affection, is solicit prayer. Turn with me to Proverbs, uh, correction, Psalms 51, verse 4. Psalms 51, verse 4. Psalm 51 verse 4. Psalm 51 verse 4. Psalm 51 verse 4. This is what God's word says. You guys know the psalm is famous for talking about the issue of sin, right? It says, Against you, you only, I have sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. So you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Okay. If you remember above the English verse 1, Hebrew verse 1, this is actually part of God's word, is you guys see above our English verse 1, there's actually a subscript giving us the historical context is when what? David went into Bathsheba. Now when it says in Psalm 51 verse 4, David says, against you only I've sinned. This is not to say that there was not other people that David sinned against. Obviously there's who? Bathsheba, who he committed adultery with. There's also her husband, okay? He sinned against his nation also as well. So there's more culpability and an offense he's done towards others. But rather what this verse is emphasizing is when we look at our sin, the greatest person that we offend is actually God. Okay, is actually God. He loves us, He cares for us, and therefore we need to realize we need to go to God in confession to Him. Okay, even if a little kid uh, has wronged their siblings, their little brother or their little sister, they still need to say sorry to them, but also don't forget, you want to train them. If you're training them to know the gospel, and you never take them to the throne room of grace, I think we might be doing it wrong. So therefore, you want to model that, again, like training wheels, and also go with them in prayer together, right? Uh, and by the way, uh, one of the things um, I do with the girls every night, okay? Uh, not every night, some nights I meet with other people. When, when I don't do it, it's my wife that does it. But one, one of the things I like to do with our girls is I always have, you know, I have the part where I say, Dear God, right? The girls say what? Dear God, say this right. And they say, Thank you for the day. You guys are all quiet now. Thank you for the day, okay? And then after I say thank you for the day, what do I say next, girls? I call out your names, right? Hannah. And then Hannah says what? Dear God, thank you for the food to eat, a bed to sleep, blah, blah, blah. And she go, goes on, okay? So then they're, they're sharing all that, okay? And then I say, Abigail. And then Abigail, same thing. Rebecca, lists all these things, okay? 
you know, and then Rebecca says, thank you for my stuff, animal dangles, and everything else, okay, uh, all of that, okay, and then I say also, forgive me of my sins, and I say, forgive me of my sins, okay, and then I say, Rebecca, and what do you do that when I say Rebecca, what do you say? And then you go on. Okay, she doesn't want to list her sins in front of you guys, okay? So, um, yeah, yeah, it depends what it is, she says. She says, no, the purpose is not being embarrassed. It depends what it is each day, right? And sometimes it's real revealing. There's sometimes certain sins we didn't catch her in the day, and then they're like, we're praying, and then she was saying, this is like one eye open, like, what? That happened? Huh. You know, so that's, you know, all that we're training them to go to confess to who? To God, okay? Confessing to God, okay? And there's some times where I blew it too, where I pray, like, you know, forgive me, to, and I pray with them too, forgive me for losing my patience or disciplining with the girls, or that I've not been as loving, that kind of thing. You want to model, and you want to go for God, to God, when you pray with that, right? Psalm 51 verse 4, like I say again, is seeing how sin is primarily against God first, you need to not just teach the girls this, but what a better way to model that by actually going to God every time they've done something wrong after you discipline them, okay? So you want to pray with them. And the next part is strive to be consistent. This is our last point, okay? For this, let's turn to Proverbs 13, verse 24. Proverbs 13, verse 24. Proverbs 13, verse 24. We've looked at this verse last month, but I want to make one observation that we did not make the observation or make the point drive home from last time. That I do want to make from here is that we need to be what? Consistent, okay? Consistent. Proverbs 13, verse 24. Okay, this is what it says. Uh, he who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves his loves him discipline him diligently. Many versions says different things, but in the New American Standard Bible, it says diligently, okay? And what does diligently mean? You do it with all your strength or, or intentionally, okay? And I'll, I would also say as application, you do it uh, diligently also as well and consistently also as well, okay? Um, the worst kind of discipline you could ever have, I guess you could say some discipline is worse than no discipline, right? But also... If you're inconsistent, that also sends a mixed signal to what? The kids. They think that sometimes you could get away with it, okay? That they think sometimes they could get away with it. So in the same way, I think we must always be consistent in disciplining them again and again. Will they mess up again? Yes, they will. So we need to be patient. We, we're not going to blow up, okay? But also each time, again and again, disciplining them and also pointing them back again to what? the gospel, and doing practicing each part, okay? Um, these 10 points, the last three months we've covered, I think is the mechanics of, of disciplining, okay? It's the step, it's the, you know, step-by-step -step kind of thing. But I think we need to go over that because I think it's consistent because sometimes, let's just say, you sometimes you spank and you don't share the gospel. Sometimes you do. And sometimes you show affection or something. I mean, the kid, you want to be consistent, okay? Uh, consistency, communicate the message well. And that's how... People learn, right? In general, well, repetition is the key to education, and education is what? Key to education is what? Repetition, okay? Saying in different ways. So we want to be strived for that. I want to look at one more verse that to encourage us to be consistent. This verse is not talking about consistency in parenting or discipline, but I think it's talking about consistency in all of Christian life. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. This is going to be the last verse for tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 58. 
First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. This is what the Word of God says. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Okay. In context, Paul is actually talking about the resurrection. That is, that Christ died and He raised from the dead physically. And he's drawing out application of that truth, include the fact that all of us will one day have what? A physical body. You guys realize one day in a new heaven and new earth, you will have a physical body, okay? If, you're, if, you're, if your body right now is an idol, I love what one atheist says, an atheist philosopher. He says that, he talks about how, I've got his name at this moment. I was just reading him this week. He was saying about everyone has a God. Even if you don't believe there's a God, he says people could pick what? money and materialism and therefore there's consequence of that and he also pointed out and it's unfortunate this atheist actually later committed suicide uh, in the 60s he also said in the, he gave like a, a speech for graduation speech he also say, said in you know in the 60s he also said that man if your body is an idol even if you look good now man you'll die a thousand deaths before you physically die with your own comment about your flaws of your body so in light of all this, you realize that, man, your body, your best body is not now. It's not when you're in your 20s. It's not when you're 18, 21, 30, 35, whatever it is. Your best of your body, your prime is still in the future if you're a believer. Because why? Your body. You will have a resurrected body. And what does that mean? Does it, is it a pie-in-the-sky-only theology? No, it has implication right now that if you have hope of life after you die, what does that mean? 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight says the implication now is what? Therefore, as it says, whatever you do is not in vain. Notice it says we must be steadfast and movable. That's what it means to be consistent. It's steadfast and immovable. Do you see how the implication of that? Notice 16 gets really practical. Chapter 16, right after this next verse, talks about we should consistently give. Okay, Why should we still give in coronavirus to your local church? Um, you know, as the Lord leads with that, is because what? It, it, you're never giving in vain. Okay? You're never giving in vain. In fact, my wife and I was talking about certain projects that it's in private outside our church. That I talked to my wife. Yeah, it is hurting. The world is hurting, right? We're thinking about saving all of that too. But also, it's like that doesn't mean we don't do. And we're there's two, certain two projects that we want to put put our money into. But we're none of these things is in vain. Okay, none of these things is in vain because if Christ really died for us. Even what we do now for others, it's almost like you're putting heavenly portfolio rewards. Again, we don't know what that reward looks like, but we also know we're doing it not just for rewards in the future, but we, because we love these people. But also, I think God, nothing we do is ever in vain. Listen, nothing we ever do is in vain, so we need to be steadfast. And that's why 1 Corinthians 16 verse 1 says, Hey, therefore you should consistently give. Yeah, I know your t- church is hard, but consistently give because of that. But how much even more so consistently discipline your kid? Yes, it is hard. But God says, be immovable. Be uh, steadfast. It always abounding in the work of the Lord, including the hard work of disciplining your child. Why do we do that? Because God, there is a resurrection. There is a hope, okay? So why we ultimately do our discipline is not because we only love our kids. And by the way, sometimes when we love our kids more than God, Guess what happened? We stopped discipline because why? We want to hear our kids say, oh, I'm the best parent. Or you're the best parent. You, Mom and dad, you guys are the best in the whole block or in the church or whatever else. And then we get fear of their opinion. 
and we don't really love them and we don't discipline them because we only want the sugar coat, nicey, gobbledygook, uh, 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 that feeling of niceness. And that's important. There's a place for that. But then we don't discipline of when we're supposed to, when we know that's the most loving thing. We become fearful of our own kids instead of fearing God. So when we see this, when we love Christ more, when we see that Christ died for us, then therefore we love our kids second and we give them our best. And nothing you do is in vain. Listen, if there is a resurrection, you want that your child to also be in the resurrection too. Of course, it's in God's hand, their soul, but we need to be faithful of disciplining. You do not want to be those that would have the blood on your hands, okay? Because you did not share the Word of God. I know it's scary. Sometimes you don't see churches teach as much today. There's passages where it's like, hey, Paul says what? I am cleared of people's blood because he shared the gospel. But we don't do this. Because why? We sometimes forget the eternal perspective. So let this be not as a scare trip, uh, guilt tripping, but see how much He's forgiven us. That Christ has died for us. That He's resurrected. That He will give us a resurrected body just like His also as well. And therefore, let that be the hope to say, go with hope, not with guilt. You want to discipline with hope. You want to discipline with guilt. By the way, if you do it with guilt, you say, oh, I never discipline. Now I'm going to discipline. Blah, blah, blah. Let me put it in for all seven years. I've never disciplined. Man, you're going to be a tyrant. Okay? But you do this out of joy, knowing God is good. That He's disciplined you too. And look at your own life, how He's disciplined you and the good that comes from that. And let that cultivate that love for Him flow over a genuine love for your child and that you would discipline. Because well, all that we do, listen, in this coronavirus thing, you guys realize your kids will remember this. Some of our kids, you, you might, they might be very young. You might say, oh, they're, they're little. Everything. But sometimes kids remember events that are what? traumatic or things that was a change for morning they see our expression they say hey something's very very different think about it in our own life right uh, of uh, events that was life-changing or or history or whatever or nine or whatever else it is and things just change our life how much more in this moment we want to show them love but let it be the moment it's not the the too extreme where you just give them everything they want or you just go ballistic hitting them and spanking them and, and they know you're doing it more out of control. Let it be you do this out of grace. The balance of grace and love. This is why the last few points that I said, these five points, is so essential. That you hug them, that you love them, show them affection, shepherd them, and share them the gospel. Pray, and also do this consistently. Let's close in a word of prayer, okay? Dear God, we just are so thankful for the gospel. Lord, let us be gospel-driven parents. I pray, Lord, for Emma, that you help Chris and Nancy parent them and discipline her. I pray, Lord, for Emmeline and Timothy, that you help Victor and Wendy to be biblically in their parenting and discipline. I pray for Rebecca, Abigail, and Hannah, that their parents, myself and my wife, Nancy, Jimmy and Nancy, would discipline them correctly. And I pray, Lord, even ahead of time, for Oscar and Sophie, prepare them, grow them, to be future parents if it is your will. Lord, even help them even now. Give us your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, could someone say-